everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Blue Surge Podcast. Mike, Joe, and Craig here on a wonderful Wednesday evening. It is March 23rd at around 7.30 Eastern Time. Again, so in case there's any news that pops out that we don't cover. But uh, welcome to the show. We have we have a pretty awesome show prepared for you because we finally, for the first time, I guess for the first time last week, but this week, really, we have a regional to talk about. And like an actual meta. For the first time in... Two years? For the first time in forever. There you go. Perfect. I couldn't have had any perfect myself. Yep. That's my we... falsetto bad voice. Don't I'm a musician, I sing well, but you know, falsetto bad voice, you know, gotta make it funny, I guess. Hey. I'm sure every listener enjoyed that serenade. What can I say? You're welcome. Sorry, here comes the Disney. That's fine. You can just you can just give it to us all as long as it works with what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I'm here. I'm here for it, and the and the listeners are too. You know, I mean, we had online metas, but this really is the first like big regional that we get to talk about in years. That's not online, and I mean, we have cards to break down, but I'm excited to talk meta. And we were talking before the show, like there's some rust to shake off, isn't there? Lots of rust. Because we had a, an event the week before that was smaller. Uh-huh. Then we had this regional, which was massive. Yes. Like hundreds and hundreds of contestants. And then we have another regional coming up this weekend in EU. It's a little overwhelming almost. <laughs> Dude, two years jumping back in, it is. But we're going to talk about that for a while. We do, again, like I said, have some cards to talk about. But the main focus of this show is going to be our reactions and opinions and thoughts about the meta after the first big regional. If you missed it, last weekend, Salt Lake City Regionals happened. It was the first standard regional that we've seen in quite some time. I want to say there were over 700 contestants competing in Masters. I cannot guarantee that, but I want to say that's the number that I saw. In terms of decks that were played, I kind of want to go into this before we go into the top eight. As you could expect, the more popular decks there were Mew and Arceus. There were tons of different Arceuses at display. There were 100,000 bajillion Mew Genesects. And then you kind of had your scattered in Suicunes, your scattered in Inteleon variants, a couple Urshifus and Jolteons. In, in Top Cut, the most played deck was Mew Genesect. There were 32 Mew Genesects. Zero of them made Top 8. Out of the most played deck there, we actually didn't even see the deck make it into top eight. It was played by around 45% of day two players. It has here again a count of 32. 25 Arceus, which is still a ton as well. But here is your top eight. We had four Gengar VMAX variants. Whether it was just Gengar Houndoom or Gengar Arceus, Gengar was a huge, successful play. And if I'm correct, I believe almost every Gengar that competed in day two made it to top cut. Which, I mean, makes sense because of all the Mews, right? Mm-hmm. We then had a couple Arceus V-Star variants that didn't have Gengar. We had one that used the Galarian Birds. 
uh, two, I should say, they had the Galarian Birds. We had an RCS V-Star just paired with Inteleon. They were a couple well-known players that played just an Inteleon RCS engine. Probably the most pure version of that deck because it doesn't have any crazy techs. It just kind of has the engine that goes. And then we had one Suicune Ludicolo. In the finals, it came down to an RCS V-Star Gengar V-Max against a Suicune Ludicolo. And Gengar actually ended up taking the event. So Drew Kennett piloted RCS V-Star Gengar V-Max to a regionals victory. Daniel Lynch, who played Suicune Ludicolo, I give him all the credit in the world. Because Suicune, there were two Suicune decks that made it to day two. Probably not a lot of Suicune in general. But that's pretty impressive, because I think there were a lot of questions going in about Suicune's viability. Suicune really jumped up in terms of play pre-Mew. And then when Mew came out, Arceus came out, a lot of players jumped onto those archetypes and were kind of questioning, you know, okay, now that Arceus V-Star is in format, you have a two-prizer. Whereas Suicune's biggest pull was the fact that it was a two-prizer. Am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, no, no, like, no, no, I'm sorry, no, I'm wrong, sorry. Well, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, right? But yeah. it's like, it's a two-prizer, so against the three-prize VMAXs, it held a really strong stance in terms of the card trade. And now you have Arceus V-Star, which totally brings a separate dynamic. But it's been proven now that you can still be successful with it. So all those Suicune players, granted, high regional players don't reflect local metas. Suicune it looks like has just as good of a spot as any deck if it's played the way it needs to be played. With Ludicolo, I think is probably the best partner because it hits those VMAX numbers. I mean, how do you feel about Suicune in general? Do you think Suicune can compete with these decks or do you think it this is just like a one-time... No, it can compete. If you're a good player, you tinker with it, you, you not really mess with it, but like in terms of... I'm sure what David Lynch, Daniel Lynch did is put tons and tons of hours into the deck like you did with Ice Rider, right? Yeah. It's like, I, I, I think it was a comfort pick knowing that it's still in a good standing. And they didn't even play any bosses. They played four Marnies, one Raihan, four Cross Switchers. So when you say playing hours in the deck, that's probably where that comes from, right? You're so confident with your Inteleons, you're so mm -hmm. confident with the cards you've put in your list that not only is it a comfort pick, but you've tailored it in the way that, in your mind, is the most efficient way to play it. It's tailored to his playing style. And he probably could care less what he played against. Because, like, anybody he talked to, right, for example, like, anybody local, any of your friends, whatever, it's so weird they never played a boss, Right. But in his mind, it's the way he wanted to play the deck, and that's how he did it. And obviously, it's successful for him. And that's what I've always preached in the past, was always always create the... Like, you have your skeleton, but play with it, tank with it, and cater to your playing style. And that's what Daniel Lynch did. Yeah, I mean, this deck was really geared towards being able to get the cross-switchers. You had Raihan, which can get cross-switcher. Drizzle, it didn't play any of the ping Inteleon. It played two of the Shady Dealings, so you could search for those item cards when it was needed. A lot of scoop-ups, just a lot of ways to search. Pretty straightforward. And yeah, you could tell that this was a very comfortable list for him, just looking at the cards. It, there was nothing... It was such a straightforward list, but you could tell it had been tailored to him. 
because there's a lot of three counts. There's a lot of one ofs. Like there's a one of Ultra Ball, a one of Choice Belt, a four of Cross Switcher. These are very minute things, but you can tell that there's a lot of time put into this list. In terms of the Gengar VMAX Arceus deck that, you know, ultimately ended up winning the event, it used the Biberel draw engine, which we actually saw a decent amount. When you looked at Biberel, Joe, you were pretty much like, yeah, we've seen this card be successful before. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be successful again. Like, the only thing against it was, comparison to Octillery, Octillery was a 90 HP, so you could level ball for it. That was the only hard part about it. And with Evo Incense and Ultra Ball, this didn't even really matter. No. You know, it it looked like a lot of one one two two Biberel lines were played over the weekend. Some with Inteleon, some without. Uh, I even saw, I want to say it was Xander Perro on Twitter. It might not have been him. Basically say, if you're running a 4-4-3 line of Inteleon, you should just take out some of those cards and place in a 1-1 Biberel line. Just have consistent draw alongside of your search. And it seems like a lot of pros are valuing Biberel just as a comfort draw card. Not necessarily a must, but its value has been you know, validated. And that probably feels, feels pretty good for you, right? Because you, you were pretty high on the card when it came out. Oh, yeah. And I definitely liked it, but I didn't know with all the search if it was actually going to crack in, but clearly it has. Oh, uh, with, with Ultra Ball around, it made it more viable. Because you can discard to draw up, right? If if this engine existed without Ultra Ball, it wouldn't be as prevalent. And that's fair. That is very fair. You lose your hand size. You're able to search for the evolution card. And on a side note, a lot of the Arceus lists, you know, a lot of them played a one of Sharon's Care, which is that supporter that picks up colorless Pokemon. The the basically AZ or Acerola. Yeah. And I mean Biberel is a colorless. Not that you'd actually be using it on that card, but there's just there's a lot of reasons that you can put it in a deck that are justified, and that's just one of the other smaller ones. So we saw that over the weekend. The eighth place player, you know, when I look at top eight, it actually shows that eighth place was a Jolteon player. From what I understand, the person who was in eighth place uh, did end up getting DQ'd right before top eight. From what I can gather, it looks like it was marked sleeves. Uh, I don't know I'll how be... that wasn't caught all the way up until top cut. Yeah, well, when you have top cut, you always get suspected, right? So you, you just didn't get random searched, right? I Unless guess. I guess something sketchy happened. But uh, just to be clear, the person you will see on Limitless TCG is not the person who got DQ'd, just to make that clear. So you don't think that eighth grade place player on limitless was that person just yes that that, right? that is that is good to clarify the the eighth place person was removed from the list in total and in terms of the standings eighth place is a jolteon player but at the event itself the first seed just ended up getting a first round bye. so in terms of actually competing the person who ended in eighth place didn't actually compete for the title they just kind of got bumped up in the rankings after everything was situated. So please don't witch hunt that person. No, do not do that or think that the Jolteon player cheated her at any at any point. Um, but good on that Jolteon because Jolteon was one of the fewest decks played in the event. And I know we were kind of worried about spread, especially because 
Urshifu is weak to Psychic. You figured it would kind of find its way out, but there were three Jolteon players in day two, so I'm glad to see that one finished finished in the top ten, we'll say. Pretty much top eight, but, you know, they kind of got bumped in off of a technicality. Aside from that, though, the coolest deck that showed up, uh, ninth place was Arceus Beedrill Fighting Types. How you like that, Joe? I like fighting types. Here is the list. You had a 3-2 Arceus V-Star line. You had a 2 Luminion V-Line, which we didn't see a lot of, but, you know, some decks were playing Luminion. You have a 1 of Flygon V, a 2-1 line of Sanaconda V-Max, and then the spiciest tech was a 2 of Beedrill Single Strike, which has the attack Persist Sting. For one grass energy, if your opponent's active has any special energy, it is knocked out. If you're wondering why there's no Weedle, they played three single-strike-style mustard cards, which I imagine the Luminion was played for just to get that card because you're not really playing single-strike in this list. Beedrill is the only single-strike card. So to have a three-of in a deck of a supporter purely just to get one card on the field. This this list is nasty. Yeah. <clears throat> like, what are your feelings on this? Uh if RCS and RCS V start weren't so expensive, I consider playing this deck. I I mean I think you consider playing any deck with RCS. Yeah, if it, like well, the cost of it for me is too expensive to invest in. Unless I opened it, which I didn't. Um, True. I'm going to have to wait until, I guess, a cheaper alternative comes up. But this deck kind of seems up my alley. Just a little bit of everything, especially with Beedrill. Oh, it's so cool. It's so awesome. I heard, um, from what I understand, in terms of day two lists, there were Arceus variants that played Flygon. There were Arceus variants that played Malamar VMAX. And there was an Arceus deck that played Gyarados VMAX. What does Gyarados even do? Uh, three, two water, one colorless, Hyper Beam 120, discarded energy from your opponent's active, and then three water, one colorless, Max Tyrant for 240. Straight? Yeah, just straight. Okay, I guess. I, well, you know, that brings us to a weird conversation, though. Because we could kind of dive into more decks. I mean, Mew ended up doing really well overall. I know it didn't get into the top eight, but if you expanded it to like the top 32, there there were tons of them. Well, they're all dark types in there, except for Suicune. Yeah, right. So that's clearly why they're not in the top eight, because those Gengars climbed up to the top. But going back to Arceus, really... The comment I have coming from this event, and this actually was a conversation in our local chat as well, is the whole thing about Arceus. Because we're not going to overthink this. Mew is still one of the best decks in the format, and there's no question about that. Granted, it didn't hit top eight. We know that regional metas are... They're kind of in this little bubble sometimes. Players knew that Mew was going to be played, so Gengar came out and ended up succeeding really well because they knew Mew was going to be out. The Mew decks were not ready to handle it. I know some decks were playing, I want to say it was Dunsparce, correct? That removes weakness? Yeah. 
but that was in the Arceus list. I don't believe any Muse, to my knowledge, played that card. I thought the Arceus, I thought the the Dunspar said both sides, though. It does do both sides. I'm just saying I don't believe the Muse played it. Like I, I, I haven't seen a lot of Mew lists. They don't have, they don't have all the lists yet. But from my understanding, I don't think a ton of the Mews actually played Dunsparce. I think it was more of the Arceus decks that did. I'm not sure why. I could be completely wrong on that. But you'd think that if that card was circulating, it would have been played with Mew. Being that being said, though. Maybe they just didn't expect all the Gengars to come out. I was listening to a YouTube kind of breakdown of the event, and someone brought up a point of, you know, this regional in particular, we can't take for granted because a lot of these people probably picked their decks a long time ago. Oh, yeah. You know, when we're in the middle of competitive season, people adjust, they test the night before, they do all these things. And he brought up the point of, a lot of these players have been waiting for this moment. So they probably already knew what they were playing weeks ago. So there wasn't as much of a test last second and change type of thing. So although Mew didn't perform, it clearly still has a lot of power. And I'm sure at Liverpool, we will still see a lot of Mews. They just might be tailored a little bit to handle certain conditions. Or maybe they won't be, and then it'll just swing the whole competition. We have no idea. But it's good to know that Mew can be kept in check uh, pretty pretty easily with Gengar paired with Arceus, at least. That being said, though, the question I had kind of sidetracked myself. So Arceus V-Star. I compared it to the Zoroark, and I think it's a very common comparison. Zoroark GX had a lot of controversy in terms of opinion about the card. Some people think that it's bad for the game because although it allows a bunch of cards to be played... It needs Zoroark to be played. So, in a sense, Zoroark is the whole meta. And other people think that it just purely allows people to play cards they want to play. And says, screw it, I don't care if every deck has Zoroark. I'm still allowed to play the card that I love to play. That otherwise I never could. Where do you fall on Arceus V-Star as a meta-defining card? Because, personally, I just enjoy the fact that we can play every card. Uh, yeah. I know Arceus V-Star hits numbers that are a little more than Zoroark. And its ability, you can argue, its its attack effect along with its ability might even be, I don't know, this might be too much to say, might even be a little stronger than Zoroark. But how do you think a card like Arceus V-Star impacts a meta? Do you think it impacts it in a positive way? Or do you think it impacts it in a negative way? Uh, in a positive way, because obviously it opens up a door for a lot of different things. Uh, like this, like the RCS fighting B drill. Uh, if you pay attention closely to the weaknesses, Santa is weak to grass, right? So there's like plenty of fighting out there, which usually, I don't know, all it's either usually because usually fighting is weak to psychic, but we know Santa is a ground type, so it's weak to grass. So that was one of the ways of doing it. Obviously, you have GMAX Cyclone, we were able to move a bunch of energies around. And so you can move the three fighting energy in a grass maybe to the Flygon V, right? You just keep on cycling the energies around. Right. So there's a it, it, it opens the door for greatest crazy creativity. And I think the biggest creativity is this RCS Fighting Beedrill deck. 
To counter that, though, how creative is the meta if all those decks are still starting the same way, which is Arceus V-Star attacking? No different than Zorark GX. And how did you feel about Zorark? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it, too. I mean, we're I think we're very pro Arceus V-Star, pro Zorark show. I, the, the only con I have for Arceus and Arceus V-Star is the price point right now. It's just not worth me buying that pricey of a card right now. And given the way Pokemon's treated those cards, it, I'm sure we'll have some cheaper version of it in the future. I'm just hoping it's sooner than later. I agree. I Yeah, I, I just think it was an interesting conversation to have because this Beedrill Flygon thing really does show that Arceus can open up anything. But I do understand the argument to be said of, okay, well, you can play everything, but... It doesn't mean you actually play those cards. You could just win the game by just using Arceus the whole time. Uh, which is Ar- true. Arceus helps you set up, right? Right. Um, but even look at the supporter list for this deck. It's just not what you see in a normal skeleton. That's very true. It's very true. The list in total is completely different. It just has Arceus as the engine. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's an interesting debate because I listened to kind of what our friends had to say about it. And I, I do see that perspective. I really do that. It makes the meta stale in a way when you know that Arceus is always going to be around the same thing that could be said about Inteleon. The only difference is Inteleon's not attacking. Like Arceus is safe to the point. There is no threat usually to knock it out right away. Correct. It is weak to fighting, but you know it'll live a couple of turns because nothing's going to ramp that fast for fighting to knock it out before it gets going. Correct. And you have its ability, which you can just search two of any card. Like, part of it is you hope you go first, you attach your fighting, and then you pass. Arceus doesn't do his thing on, on their first turn, and then hopefully you have enough to respond to destroy the engine. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, it's it's comfortable, it's still a stage one, and it can get you where you want to get with the cards you're trying to play. Which mm. I think ultimately is the way that you and I think of it. Yeah, someone's going to be working on, I don't know if it'll be this coming weekend, but I'm sure there's going to be someone working on what can I do to get my fighting type to take down RCS Star before the engine pops. Well, I'm wondering if just Galarian Zapdos is going to see a little bit more play. Uh, potentially, because like you can still tailor your bench, right? Well, so, I mean, you can definitely tailor it, but we did see it played over the weekend, and what it does is it at least it at least forces your opponent to tailor their bench. You know, it at least forces them to go okay. I can't just play the way I want. I got to be at least a little conscious about what I'm doing. What other fighting types are there that are really kind of change that? Um, it's, I don't, I'm not really sure. I really have to do some digging and research to figure that out. Like I know there's a stone, there's stone gender cards, like baby stone gender cards that I saw kind of show up from time to time in this regional or be talked about in some lists, but there really isn't a ton of fighting type out there. Zapdos is probably the best option. So if you ask me if I'd see it at Liverpool, I'd expect to see it a little more. 
especially seeing as Gengar is weak to it as well. You know, you kind of play that fighting psychic dark game again. If you assume that dark's going to be there to make sure the Mews are in check, you're hoping that if you can find fighting into your list, it's going to help your chances. Uh, but uh, I'm curious to see what Liverpool looks like. I know the numbers won't be the same as Salt Lake City, but I do think we will hopefully in the next coming sh- events really get a feel for what's going to happen between these top tier decks. Cause I don't, while I want to make an assumption that Mew kind of took a hard hit, I, I know it's naive of me to think that it's such a good engine just because it didn't get top eight in one event, I can't just rule it out. And I think that's fair, right? Yes. I don't think Arceus is necessarily best deck in format. I, I think it's more of, this is the first event, this is how people reacted, and now we get to see how that molds and changes. But here, here's the flip side with uh, Mew. I, I gotta double check to see if this, this Arceus... Um, does Arceus have any new fighting styles in terms of fusion rapid or single strike didn't it have a ice q that's right yeah i had ice q i want to say ice q might be the only one but it was fusion strike but i i had to look back at the cards too and see if anything coming out and then your future has any continued fighting styles because right now there's no fusion that really i don't think benefits from fighting types not as far as I understand. I might just be missing that completely. I'm just doing that little research here just in case, like I'm maybe mistaken. No, there really hasn't been a, there there weren't a lot of fusion strikes in general. And that was probably on purpose though, because you wanted to keep that archetype in check. If you make Mew a little too strong, then it might become an issue. And it's already pretty strong as it is. These are our thoughts, these are our opinions. I don't want to overthink it, but I guess the takeaways are Arceus truly is splashable with any V or Vmax, and we will not be making a hasty decision on Mew just yet. You know, maybe it does stay at this kind of 1B in comparison to Arceus, but I'd be hard-pressed to see that because I don't think Gengar Vmax is the key to the format. I think it was more of a tech, and it was more of a decision going into the event. So now that RCS Gengar was successful, I think we'll start to see a big shift in what gets played. Any other thoughts on the regional before we move on? I'm just curious to see how the uh, how the Europeans are gonna deal with things because their their play style is completely usually pretty different. We'll have to see. I am curious to see too. I'm curious to see the numbers and the and competitors, and maybe we'll see control. Maybe we'll, there's still some archetypes we haven't seen yet, so it's time will come soon. Any other thoughts? That's it for me. Perfect. We are going to move on from that jumbled mess of thoughts. I know we were kind of jumping all over the place, but it's our first event. It's been a little while. We have some cards to talk about, and then we're going to head on out of here. There were a lot of cards revealed. A lot of them were kind of useless, but there's a few that I want to highlight before we go. The first card is a V, which we usually cover all the Vs. We have Beedrill V. Beedrill V is 100 or 210 HP grass type basic for one grass energy. Twin needle, 40 damage, times the number of heads you get, and you flip your coins twice. So you can do 0, 40, or 80 damage. 
Two grass, one colorless, swarming sting. This attack does 50 damage times the number of Beedrill V you have in play to one of your opponent's Pokemon. It's weak to fire and retreat to two. Black card, Joe? Uh, I don't mind it. I think it's interesting, but not sure I'll use it. I think three I'll... energy is a bit too much. Uh, for what it is, it's fine, I think. It's fair, I guess. I mean, it hits 200 anywhere in the field if you have four out, but three energy is tough. But you play with Arceus. You'll just be totally <laughs> so you play with Arceus. Perfect. We know, we know what we're doing here, boys. We just play every single card with Arceus. Uh, moving on from that, there was a Hisuian Electrode line. The interesting thing about Electrode is it's a stage one, 90 HP, so it's level ball searchable. For colorless, it draws three, and for or colorless, for energyless, it draws three, and for another energyless attack, it hits for fifty. I wish it had zero retreat. It doesn't. It has a retreat of one. But I mean, any thoughts on the electrode? I like it a lot. <laughs> I knew you would. It's it's just cheesy enough for me to think about trying to do something. Choice belt hits for eighty. It hits for 80, weaknesses time 2 is 160, so it's, uh, depending where the meta goes, it could be pretty substantial. <laughs> I would love to see an electric Like, Because, like, you have a, you're going to hit for grass weakness with, you don't need any energy for it. That is fair. I guess we'll see. Joe's going to pilot Electrode to the next regional champion. Well, we'll see where the meta lies. We're going to move on to a card that I think you like better, though. There is a Shaman, but Shaman doesn't do a whole lot. Uh, I guess for a colorless energy, if you go first, if you go second on your first turn, I have to reread that, you can search your deck for up to three cards and put them into your hand. That's fine. But the big one here is Greedon. Greedon has 130 HP. Stage one, for one colorless, collect, draw two. And for two colorless, dump. 60 damage, discard your hand. If you discarded five or more cards, this attack does 150 more. So you're thinking double turbo, hitting 190. Joe, you said you loved this card. I, I find it fascinating. Are you going to play this card? No. <laughs> it stops there? Yeah, yeah. Like, as much as I'd love to, I just... There's too many other troll things to do in the cards right now, and I'm trying to see if I can focus my way into one thing. Like, what I'm really excited about, if I can get it rolling, I want to see if I can do, like, a rollout deck slash Wormadam deck. Oh, God, that again? Um, well, it's because of the, one of the new cards that we're going to reveal soon. That's very fair. So, yeah, it, these are cool cards, all gimmicky so far. Next up, we have a Rapidash line. I don't think any Rapidash has ever been good. And this continues to be the exact same. So we're not even going to give it the Not test. in standard. It is not Not true. in standard. Right. The last, this last standard Rapidash has been terrible. Theme deck meta, awesome. Standard theme deck, no. metal, <laughs> theme deck meta, OP. Half the time, they just never die. Agility, right? Why does this have agility? Oh, God, <laughs> I hate that attack, dude. I hate that card. Anyway. The V, though, in this post from Poker Beach is Hisuian Sneasler. Hisuian Sneasler is a... Is this Sneasler or Sneasel? It looks like it's just Sneasel, but it definitely is Sneasler. Basic Dark type, 190 HP. For a color or energyless attack, Poison Claw. No damage. Your opponent's active is poisoned. And then for a Dark Colorless, Dire Claw. 
80 damage times each special condition. So if it's poisoned and burned, it hits 160. If it has no conditions, it does zero. It's weak to fighting. It has a retreat of zero. So free retreat is cool. Yeah, caps at 240. Poison is cool. Like, yeah, it looks like conditions poison, burn, and then either confuse, sleep, or paralyze. So you max at 280, and then uh, you got your ban for 270, but I don't know. Or zero. Or zero. Or it could hit for zero, which is probably going to be more times than not. Yeah, it's it's something uh, I don't want to mess with right now. This is a terrible card, Joe. I uh, just hate it, what it is. This is a bad card. Don't even. This is it, terrible, it, Joe. It's average. There's it's worse a worse fee. There are worse fees than this. This is a card that could at some point hit for zero. You know what? Any card with free retreat is not a ter- is not a horrible card. I disagree. This is a terrible card. I would put it under my coaster. We are moving on. Next, we have Bisharp. Bisharp's evolution line has some connectivity with it, but we're not going to really read through Pawnyard because it doesn't do anything substantial. Bisharp is a stage one for one metal revenge slash. 30 damage plus 30 for each damage counter on your benched Pawnyard. One metal, two colorless, lysing blade for 90. Sweet to fire and a retreat of two. Bisharp in the past has been known to have synergy with Pawnyard. There was one that did more damage depending on how many Pawnyard were on your bench. This, I think, is way better. It's, Gar- it's Gyarados. But with higher HPs. Higher HPs, lower retreat, lower cost for attack. But I th- was, was Gyarados 50? I can't remember if Gyarados... Even if it was, Magikarp is 30 HP. Oh, no, I see it. It's full retaliation. It's 30 plus 30. So it's it's the exact same thing. The only difference is double colorless energy for Gyarados and one metal for uh, Bisharp. This is just head over here is a a better card. Yeah. So, like, doing the quick math on it, we're basically the same damage output in an ideal world. Not ideal world, but, like, damage output based on, uh, well, we're going to announce Cape Jaw Bog, which is honestly what let's talk about right now. Cape Jaw Bog, you put a basic Pokemon from your hand to their bench, you place two damage counters on it, so it's the same thing as Team Magma Base, right? So you put it down for a Magic Card, which had 30 damage, right? You're pretty much capped, but the Pawn Yard has 60 HP. So just taking the basics of using Cape Jaw Bog and Pawn Yard, you're hitting a 210 about max damage now i gotta do some research personally and see if there's anything that also shuffles damage counters to increase more so but we're looking at 210 just with the regular 20s it's pretty good yeah so if there is some card that increases other things too that able to shuffle things around um maybe there's a world where that has you can probably one shot something potentially but I have to do some more deep diving and research and hopefully there's something that can move things around or add more damage to your side of the bench. Yeah, there's not much to say past it, but just Bishop is a really cool rogue card that I wanted to make sure we gave some light. Yeah, I'll have to see if Griffin has any ideas for it. Griffin was a huge... Uh, one of the guys in our, our chat, uh, it was a huge, huge full retaliation gear does player. Yeah, we'll have to... Re- expanded. We'll have to reach out to the experts. 
Finally, we have our last card. Joe, this is near and dear to your heart. We have a return of a familiar card in Energy Lotto. Energy Lotto is an item card that states, look at the top seven cards of your deck. You may reveal an energy, regardless of type, from there and put it into your hand. Joe, I'll let you have the floor on this one. I am so excited this card's back. I was high on it in the past, and I'm high on it again, just because it gave me the flexibility to play those road decks that I want. So I used it in Passimian, when Passimian only had double-cost energy and um, counter energy. So there are so many possibilities uh, with this deck, which opens up for me. So mentioned earlier, uh, Wormadam's like decks, right? 10, you do 20 plus 10 for each in the deck. What if I combine now rollout with space jug with uh space jug, but energy lotto now? I have easier access to get the energy card I'm looking for to make an attack. So I th- this card opens the door for a lot of things, including more for RCS as well, because you'll find the that energy a lot easier. Yeah, just direct so, energy. So even in Mew, it's going to be played potentially. Yeah, potentially a Mew, but like you're hoping to also sparkle because you can you can accelerate better with that. Right, right. But, it's just more of a backup plan. But every single deck can benefit from Energy Lotto. There you go. Joe said it here. Any deck benefits from Energy Lotto. Best card in format. Uh, I wouldn't go there, but it's pretty gosh darn <laughs> close. Like, th- that's how high I am at it. Like, it, it, so anything rogue you want to play, it's there if it's available to you. So this could even go on the fly gun B drill deck, right? You're digging for that grass energy once ever energy search goes away. Like you have that available to you. I think this is mainly now just good for the special energy because we have energy search. Yeah, because th- yeah, because this is this gets you these special energy cards here. Your turbos, your power energies, your stone energies, whatever you want, the special energies you have, this is an easier access and find. There you go. You heard it here. Energy Lotto, a really nice comfort card to have. I think that's probably what we can go towards. It's just it's just really, really solid support card that's good to have out there it's pretty much it on it right but that's that's awesome alone it, that, it, that alone is awesome it's gonna allow me to just do my screwed up ideas that i want to do makes it a lot more feasible to actually be competitive there you go perfect no questions asked and that brings us to the end of our show covered a lot of the event covered our thoughts on the event a lot of jumbled thoughts just getting back in the rhythm of talking about regionals and things of that nature is always awesome again liverpool is coming up this weekend we'll be talking about it in the following episode energy lotto's back some cool road cards Pasui and electrode greedent there's just a lot of fun stuff out there to talk about this week before we head out joe is there anything you would like to say everybody have a wonderful and safe weekend yeah enjoy the weekend play pokemon watch out for those rcs prices on the rise and we will see you next time